We're going to be talking about serving the Lord tonight, and I hope that it ought to be something that we uh, want to do. When you think about what the Lord has done for us, and you think about what we got to look forward to, heaven as our home, uh, we ought to be willing to be servants of the Lord. I have you turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter number 17. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 17. And one thing that becomes amazingly clear from the teachings of Christ is that He expects all who know Him to truly follow Him and be in subjection to Him as His servants. I mean, that's, there's no two ways about it. The Lord expects us to serve. And that's the... Um, I'm going to refer back to Romans 12. That, that, that is the presentation of ourselves as a living sacrifice that Paul talked about. Holy and acceptable unto God. And Paul described it as our reasonable service. It's not unreasonable that the Lord uh, would want us to serve Him. It, it, it's reasonable to think after the great sacrifice that He put forth that we would be willing to sacrifice for Him. Now, too often the reality is that there are many professing believers who live their lives as though they believe that servanthood is optional, okay? uh, rather than being at the very heart of our relationship with Christ. The closer you draw to Christ, the more you're going to be drawn to servanthood. It just it goes that way. And one who is a Christ disciple is to have a servant mindset with respect to both God and fellow believers. And we're going to see that in t- tonight as we go through the Scriptures. If we, if we are to know true fellowship with Christ and have a proper degree of holiness in our lives, then we must be His servants. And when we understand the humbling that it's going to take and the self-emptying that is involved in it and truly being a servant, it becomes evident that Only those who are prepared to live under the shadow of the cross of Calvary will be willing to assume that lowly position of a servant. People don't like humility. It goes against the grain of our flesh. uh, But the way of a servant is humility. And before I get into the message, let me me share three thoughts that will better prepare us uh, to understand this low and humble position which Christ desires for each of us to take as believers. And I'm going to hold off on reading the Scripture as well. Uh, but the first thing we need to understand is that there are different kinds of servants mentioned in Scripture. And it's important that we discern which type of servants being talked about in the Scripture that we're looking at. Okay? And in the Old Testament, there are two types of servants that are mentioned. There were the hired servants, we think those are employees, right? And then there were folks to, who were not. They were, they were bond servants or slaves. Hired servants received wages and had certain rights. But the bond servants or slaves, they were owned by their master. They had no personal rights. They received no wages. And they had no appeal. And now in the New Testament, where we find the word servant mentioned in regards to us being the servants of the Lord, it does not refer to hired servants, but rather to bond servants or slaves, if you will. And Paul even referred to himself as 
a servant. Listen to Romans 1.1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Could just as well be translated slave. I'm I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. Uh, But Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated of the gospel of God. Uh, In Philippians 1.1, Paul referred to himself and to Timothy as servants of Jesus Christ, meaning they were both bond servants or slaves of Christ. Also, you can look at the books of, of James and Peter and Jude and all introduce themselves in their epistles as servants, this bond slave. Um, uh, and in so doing, they were all calling themselves that. Bonds, bonds, bond servants were slaves that had no rights, received no wages, and had no appeal. Now, there's not much that appeals to uh, the sound of that. But when you realize who the master is, it makes a difference. Okay? Even, even in the Old Testament, when, um, and I don't have this in my notes, but uh, we turn to the book of Deuteronomy talking about the uh, bond servants. Uh, when a servant got to the end of his uh, paying his debt back to who he was a bond servant to, and uh, he uh, and he was released. He he could decide that I love my master. My master's been good to me, and I I want to remain with my master. And they would put an awl through his ear, and he would remain a bond servant to that master. Uh, and that's really a picture of what Jesus is. Jesus is a loving master. He's a master that uh, that cares, and his. Uh, we ought to want serving. Amen. Uh, this position of servant shows that we are the absolute property of our master to be treated and or disposed of as he wishes. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. What, what know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Get that? You're not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit with your God. So that's the first thing. What, what kind of service are we talking about? We're talking about the bond slave. We're talking about bond service, so slaves. And then the second thing that we need to see is that we are to be bond servants of the one who willingly became a bond servant himself on our behalf. Hold your place there in Luke. Uh, flip, flip real quick to... Uh, to Philippians 2 and, and verse number 5 uh, through uh, 5 through 7 here. <clears throat> because it's, it specifically tells us that we are to, to have the same mindset as what Jesus had. Look at verse 5. Philippians 2 verse 5 <clears throat> says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him, notice this, the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient, talking about being obedient to his heavenly Father, be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's the reason why he was sent. He was sent to be that suffering servant that Isaiah 53 talks about. And uh, so uh, we, we see that Christ allowed himself to have no rights. He, he emptied himself for the independent use of his uh, deity. 
uh, he relied upon his his uh, uh, heavenly Father. He came to earth totally submissive to the will of the Father, and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, Christ's example shows us how low or true the true position uh, that we should be in, and it shows us what it should mean for us to be ruled by the Lord Jesus Christ. We we shouldn't just call him Lord, but we should willingly and be totally submissive to our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the group of people that uh, Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Well, I'm sure he wonders the same thing today. A lot of folks call him Lord and say, Well, Jesus is my Lord, but they're not following him. Uh, there are things that Jesus said they ought to be doing and not doing. And uh, we, 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 we need to be totally submissive to our Lord. And then the third thing that we need to consider is this. Our servanthood to the Lord Jesus should be manifest in our servanthood to other fellow believers. Okay, we serve the Lord Christ, but he wants us to serve each other too. Amen. Serve, serve fellow, fellow believers. And Paul wrote that in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 5 where he said, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Did you get that? Ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. And so it's a reality that each of us will be judged by Christ in the area of our servanthood both in regard to him, how we serve him, and in regard to how we serve our fellow believers for his sake. And when we're unwilling to serve others in humbling ways, the Lord sees this as our unwillingness to serve him. Okay? If you're unwilling to, to humble yourself and serve others, you're unwilling to really serve the Lord. And having said all that, I want us to look at our passage of Scripture tonight in, in, in Luke 17, and we're going to be dealing with verses 7 through 10, and uh, we're going to look at five marks of a bondservant. There are five marks of a bondservant. Look, notice verse number 7, um, and this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. And Luke 17, verse 7, But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he is come from the field, Go and sit down to meet. And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things which were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise... Ye, when ye have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Now, that may seem harsh to some to, to think of it in this way, but I want you to, to note that if these marks are a reality in our lives, then we can answer the question which this message is entitled tonight, and that is, are we willing to be servants? And we would be able to answer it with an honest, yes, Lord, I'm willing to be a servant. So here's the five marks. Number one, we find in verse 7 and 8, a bondservant must be willing to have one thing on top of another put upon him without any consideration being given to him. I'm going to say that again. A bondservant must be 
willing to have one thing on top of another put upon him without any consideration being given him. We see verse number 7. If the servant has come in from the field, we see the servant has to immediately prepare a meal after working in the field all day, serve it to his master, and all of this before he even has a chance to eat himself. And, and uh, you know, some would protest and say, well, that just don't seem fair. You know? um, so we see the bondservant is expected to serve the master first instead of himself. And that, that lines up with what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, when he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now see, when we look at this in light of ourselves, how willing are we for this to be our lot? You know, when, when, uh, when you're serving the Lord and it seems like the Lord puts a little more on top of you there, you know, you're, you're having to serve a little more, do we murmur or have ill feelings in our heart when that sort of thing's expected of us? Uh, I, I just tell you, you know, sometimes I have to guard my heart in that area and realize, hey, look, I'm serving the Lord and this is what God's called me to do. And that's what we need to understand. We need to understand that the, the moment we murmur in our heart, we are acting as if we have rights and a bondservant doesn't have any rights. Number two, uh, and we find this in verse number nine, a bondservant must be willing not to be thanked for his work. Verse 9. Doth he thank his servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. Uh, so a bond servant must be willing to bear not being thanked when he does what has been piled upon him by his master. Um, so how do we do? You know, How much self-pity do we have when we serve others and they don't even bother giving thanks? You think think about that? How bitterly do we complain when it seems as though some take our service as a matter of course and they don't even thank us for it? Now, how much like the Savior are we in this area? I find very few places uh, in the Gospels when someone thanked our Savior for what he had done for them. In fact, in this same chapter, look down to verse number 12, we see uh, an instance where the Lord helped ten out, and only one came back to say thank you. Okay? Look at verse number 12. When he entered into a certain village, and there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were, see, they were being obedient to what the Lord said. He said, go show yourself to the priest. So they went immediately to go show themselves to the priest. And as they were o- obedient at that point, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? Now this, Jesus is not complaining here. He's pointing out for the crowd. Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. 
And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now see, Jesus, even knowing ahead of time, and, and we know Jesus, Jesus did know ahead of time, that only one of these lepers would express thanksgiving to him. He knew only one was going to come back. But he healed all ten of them anyway. Okay? Remember, hired servants may expect something, but not bond servants. Okay? We need to be like Jesus. We need to serve, even though one out of ten is probably a probably a pretty good percentage of, of, of the of thanksgiving that comes forth when you're doing something for the Lord. But we see uh, a third thing in, in this passage is a, a bondservant must not charge the master with selfishness. Now, when we read this passage, uh, and we're, we're reading it from uh, the, our perspective, uh, we, we may feel that the master is rather selfish and inconsiderate. Uh, and the example that the Lord gave here, we see the servant makes no such charge. He understands that his position as a servant is to do what he was doing. It's to serve the interest of his master. That's what he was to do. How about in our service? When we serve folks as we've been called to do, but they, they are or maybe they appear to be ungrateful, uh, do we charge them in our minds with selfishness? And we just go on and serve. We're, we're, that's what we're to do. Just go ahead and serve. If we are true servants, we will find the selfishness of others is a further opportunity to identify ourselves with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He endured that, and we endure that on His behalf for Him. Um, we identify fresh with our Lord as the servant of all, both to the grateful and to the ungrateful. Amen. Number four thing that we see is found in verse number 10. And that is a bond servant must confess that he's an unprofitable servant. Um, verse 10, So likewise, when you have done all those things which are commanded you, say we are unprofitable servants. Uh, just think about that for a minute now. Uh, this is an acknowledgement that we are of no real use to God or man that is, in and of ourselves. Right? Because it's the Lord that works through us. Alright? It's the Lord that works through us. Uh, Paul acknowledged this. Uh, in Romans seven eighteen. he said, For I know that in me that is in my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. You know, we try to do the right thing, try to do good things, but uh, it's not in us. And Jesus said in John 15, verse 5, He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And then he goes and says, For without me ye can do nothing. We can't do anything without the Lord. But how do we see ourselves after we have served? Do we get puffed up occasionally with pride? You know, you do something for somebody, and boy, and it turns out really well. And, uh, do we get, begin to think great things about ourselves? Do we see ourselves as more than a servant? Maybe we get in our mind that we should be served rather than be servants. So sadly, there, I, I have seen 
a lot of these in ministry. I'm talking about fellows who are like me, pastoring a church, and they've gotten to the point in their ministry where, where they think everybody ought to be serving them rather than serving the Lord. And that ain't right. You know, we, we serve the Lord. Uh, we, we, we are not the, the served. We are the, the servants. Amen. And that includes all of us that are uh, born again by God's good grace. It's only through the Lord Jesus who dwells in us and empowers us that we are anything. Amen. In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. It was the grace of God that ministered through Paul to others. And he freely admitted that to be the case in his life. Here's the final thing I want us to see here. As a bondservant must confess that after doing what he has been asked to do by the master, he has not done one extra thing more than it was his duty to do. That's what it says in verse 10. We're unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Uh, you know, we're to serve, aren't we? It's our duty to be servants. When God created mankind, you know, he did so for mankind to be his bondservants. He's placed man in the Garden of Eden to till the ground. He did. Um, he gave man uh, a command. But man's sin showed his refusal to serve the Lord. Refused to serve the Lord. And when we consent to this truth that we are bondservants of Christ, then we understand that we, we have nothing to crow about. You know? We do, we do, we're, we're doing what we're called to do. We're doing what we're supposed to do as servants of the Lord. Now, look at uh, Luke chapter 18 and verse number, uh, verse number 28. And uh, the Lord is talking about servanthood, servanthood again here. And uh, Peter brings up, he said, lo, lo, we have left all and followed these. Talking to Jesus. We've, le we've left all. And they did. And the, the, the disciples, remember when the, the ones that were fishermen, they left their nets behind and uh, left their boats behind and went and followed Jesus. Remember? They forsook all and followed Him. That's how the, how the uh, Scriptures say it. And Peter's acknowledging that here. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. Listen, um, that's not why we do it. We don't do it for the reward, but the Lord's going to reward us. He, he will. The path of a, a bondservant is the only path to spiritual power and fruitfulness in our lives. It's the only path for us to be radiant, happy souls overflowing with the life of our Lord. And it's the only path to true spiritual exaltation. You want to be exalted? The way to be exalted is to be abased first. Matthew 23, verse 12. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. 
Listen, we must allow the reproving of the Scriptures. When we read this tonight that uh, we've gone over there in Luke 17, it just comes across a little bit harsh. You know? It kind of rubs against our grain a little bit. But we must allow the reproving of the Scriptures to illuminate the areas of pride and its exceeding sinfulness in our lives. How willing are we to be true servants of the Lord? Do we have these five marks of a bondservant upon our lives? You know, as I thought on these five marks, as I was studying this, I realized the fifth one was probably the hardest to live by. Now, let me try to illustrate this with a thought that crossed my mind as I was studying for this message. When it comes to being asked to do something for the Lord, do we do just the minimum of what we can get by with? Or what minimum of what's required? Or do we do what we've been asked to do to the best of our God-given ability? You pour yourself in it. You hear people saying, I put 110% in it. You know, There's no way to put more than 100%. I'm talking about giving your all though. Amen? Giving your all for the Lord. Uh, not just trying to skimp and scrape and see if you could just, just get by with the minimum. I'd like to be able to say that I'm the epitome of what a servant of the Lord should be, but I'm not. <laughs> you know, I think we all would like to say we are. But there are times that I find that self gets in the way too much. I think we all see that. We want to, we want to serve the Lord right, but lots, a lot of times we allow ourselves. Uh, to get in our way and keeps us back from being uh, effective of a servant as we should be and can be by God's grace. We, the only way that we can serve the Lord rightly is His grace working in us. And uh, I'm not going to preach a Sunday morning sermon to you on this, but you know we, we're talking about God's grace in the morning messages, and and it goes to the grace, goes to God's grace working in us. It is Christ's desire. That his churches, and churches are made up of people, right? He wants his churches to be full of bond servants to him. It's not just supposed to be the pastor. not just supposed to be the pastor and the leaders of the church. It's supposed to be every one of us that make up a Central Baptist Church ought to want to be and ought to be found to be bond servants of the Lord. And that can only take place as each believer answers that question, are you willing to be a servant with a resounding, yes, Lord? You know, when, we, when we as individuals say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to be a servant, then we can have a church full of folks that are serving the Lord. And that's when the Lord is really pleased. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much.